Are you trying to start a podcast but are struggling with the process? Well, you're in the right place now. Contact one of us at Across the Board Sports and we can help you get started through Anchor. We're looking for more podcasters and the best place to do your show is on Anchor. It is the easiest way to distribute your podcast on all major platforms and it's the most user-friendly website. Contact us and let's begin. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Ladies and gentlemen, good morning and welcome inside Across the Cavs. Happy Friday to you and yours. Coming off a tough loss against the Pistons. We're not going to be talking about that. Today we got a mailbag segment for you. You got seven questions to answer all about the Cavs. And you know what? We're going to go right in. No puns, no jokes, everything aside, let's do it. First question. Three calves through history that you'd like to have dinner with. Oh, boy. So I'm just going to assume this is a dinner party. And first invite right off the bat, got to be my guy, Matty D. Matthew Dovadova, my favorite Cavalier through the years, came in in his first year undrafted. Worked his tail off, had a couple double-doubles, he shot the ball well, he showed grit on the defensive end, and I've always loved his game. I've got uh, two jerseys and a couple t-shirts. I have the Delhi ones. I just love to talk to him about life in Australia and what led him to St. Well, we know what led him to St. Mary's, kind of. The coach, uh, Tony Bennett, coaches a lot of St. Mary's players. Anyway, what led him here and now how he feels to be back in Cleveland. I love Delhi. would love to get to know him more over a dinner Let's get Austin Carr in there because that man is smooth as silk, mustache or not. His sayings are second to none as far as color commentators go. Maybe Stacy uh, Stacy King might like a word, but I'm going Austin Carr. Love what he's got to say. I had a chance to actually meet him a few weeks ago. So to actually have dinner with him and Deli at the same table, first off, wow, would that be cool. I think my third guest... No disrespect to anyone in the modern Cavs era. Got to be Zadrunas Olgowskis. Big Z, seven foot three. He's a big man. I was lucky enough to get a signed Olgowskis jersey through a friend of my father when I was 10. It's been on my wall for the last 15 years. Uh, every night I go to sleep, I see this Olgowskis jersey. Love to see him at that table. I did get o- Olgowskis did wave to me in a game. LeBron's 23rd birthday in Miami, Cavs Heat, you know, 2008. Did get the way from Elgowskis. Loved that man. Always loved his game. When he got traded to the Wizards, he would not play for them. He said, my heart is in Cleveland. And while he did finish his career with the Heat, I have no qualms about that. He wanted to try and win a ring with LeBron in Miami for a year. He came back to Cleveland that same year and never suited up for Washington. I love that man. He embodied the Cavs spirit. So we got Elgowskis, we got Delhi, and we got Austin Carr. That's who's at my Cavs table. How about yours? Question number two, looking at it five years later, do you think the Cavs made the right move trading Andrew Wiggins and Anthony Bennett for Kevin Love? Well, this is always going to be a hypothetical question, and my answer might differ from that of other folks, although most might think, yes, this was the right move. You look at Kevin Love, you know, he's never averaged 20 points in a season with the Cavs, but he's been a great rebounder, he's been a good leader, and he's done a lot of the other stuff. He's worked hard. He makes his shots. He gets good looks. He moves the ball. He creates shot offense. Anthony Bennett was on the Cavs for a year, Minnesota for a year, Toronto for part of a year. He was in Phoenix. He was in Houston. He was in Brooklyn. It just 
You got to feel bad for him, but it's good the Cavs got rid of him. They took him number one overall, and he never came close to the hype. And it wasn't even injuries. He was kind of out of shape. He had some sleep apnea issues affecting his weight. And that's part of it. I don't think he ever caught on to the NBA game. And sometimes those one-year college players just don't get it right right away in the NBA. And when you're drafted that high, everyone looks, oh, no, oh, boy. Houston did pick him up in the offseason. He had a couple of nice preseason plays, summer league plays, but... It didn't work. Andrew Wiggins is averaging 20-plus points for the third time in his career. Wiggins has shown durability. He, played, he missed just one game over his first four years. He missed nine last season. Andrew's missed a few this year, but he's averaging 25 points. That's a career high. Five rebounds, career high. Three and a half assists, career high. 1.3 blocks, career high. 2.3 made threes, career high. He's shooting 72% at the free throw line, highest total in three years. He, he's just a, he's a good player when he works hard. He just had to have the right coach. He wanted to play for Sam Mitchell. Clearly, when Tibbs came in, that is when his production dipped the last couple of years. And I'm happy for Andrew. I think he's a very good player. And I do think that if the Cavs could have Love or Wiggins right now, they'd want Wiggins because he can create his own shot. He can get to the basket. I love Kev. And I'll have a question later on if I think he'll be here. But Andrew Wiggins looks like a real star right now. Kevin Love looks like an advanced role player, a guy you can't call a star, but still a player you can play through. And I would rather have Andrew Wiggins. I don't think the trade was a mistake at the time. I think they wanted an established third guy for LeBron and Kyrie. I think, though, if if you're looking at making this trade now, Obviously, this is this is obvious, but you look at you're making this trade now. You want to take Wiggins over Love, no doubt. And the, in that time, you know, no issues with it. But I don't think there's a regret involved. I do think the Cavs made the right move. But if you could do it all again, maybe you keep Wiggins and you play LeBron James at power forward instead. So you have Kyrie, LeBron, Wiggins, and then eventually you still trade Dion Waiters. You figure that out. But wow. Grading John Beeline one quarter of the way through the season, what would you give him? Well, if this was a few weeks ago, I'd give him an A-. minus. Now, things have gotten very bleak in Cleveland. Nothing is really going well right now. They're just losing a lot, by a lot. The Pistons just blew the Cavs out. And things aren't perfect in Cleveland at all. And yes, this is a rebuilding season but they're 28th in scoring, they're 18th in defense, they're 22nd in pace. And it's not been great. And they might be without Tristan Thompson tonight against Orlando, so that's not great. But looking at Beeline, you know, they haven't excelled at anything. They were 4 and 5 to start the year, which is a huge improvement on how last year started. And Sometimes you got to take your lumps as you grow as a team. But it's really, it's what it is. They got several rookies, Porter and Garland playing big minutes. Jetty Osmond's still learning learning how to play at the NBA level. Colin Sexton has proven that he's a one-dimensional player. He's a scorer. He's not a passer. He's not a rebounder. And whether or not he can defend, statistically speaking, he's a one-dimensional guy. He can just score the ball. That's it. Only one speed. You know, Beeline has gotten a lot out of Larry Nance. Darius Garland is getting better. Colin has stayed steady, which is kind of what you want after a rookie season where you average 18 and you're not sure what you're going to get. 
Tristan has played well. I think he has a good system, but I also think he needs to inspire guys to shoot with more confidence. We know that's the case with Jordan Clarkson, but Jetty at times, passive. Kevin Porter, passive. Darius Garland, passive. You don't always have to get a shot from 15 feet away. You have the deep three. You know what? Sometimes you just got to take it. That's why Damian Lillard is as good as he is right now and how Steph Curry reinvented the game. Sometimes you got to just say forget percentages and throw that thing up. I'll give Beeline a C or C-. minus. They've lost 10 of 11. We'll see how they will look back in a month and see how they improved from this tough stretch. Didn't expect the Cavs to contend for a playoff spot, but did expect a little better than 5-15. and 15. The Knicks are all like, fire Fizdale, fire Fizdale. They've been terrible. And Cavs have no plan to do that with Beeline. He's the long-term guy, but just saying they're in the same boat as the Knicks record-wise, and it's not good. they got to win a few more games. And the next question, what kind of moves, if any, do you expect the Cavs to make prior to the trade deadline? So I think this becomes more and more likely every game. I love him to death as a Cavs player. I love watching him play and getting shots. He's clutch. He can create. But Jordan Clarkson's got to go. I think that he's, you know, he can score anywhere. He's not a bad passer. He's aggressive on the defensive end now, which he wasn't last year. But the way he plays, you really don't need a Lou Williams 2.0. They were teammates once in L.A., but Lou Williams, the more effective version of Jordan Clarkson, he gets his own shot, he gets inside, makes his free throws, he draws fouls, sometimes even blocks the occasional shot. But he's got to go. I heard the Sixers had potential interest in him. I'll miss him when he gets traded, but it is imminent. you got to find someone that moves the ball and can maybe be a catch-and-shoot guy versus the ball-dominant player when you already have several point guards that need it to make plays. Saw rumors of Tristan to Toronto. Uh, that would be something. It'd be a great fit for the Raptors, although I don't think they need him per se. Rondé's getting it done at the four. They have Serge Ibaka and Marcus Gasol. If the Cavs could bring in Serge Ibaka, I'm, I'm in. I'd be in for that. If not, eh. I think you got to trade Kevin Love. I, I, again, I was against this for so long, but now I'm starting to kind of see the understanding. He's already passed his prime. He's still a very good player that can help many teams as that third third option, second option in the playoffs. I think you can get a young piece or two and maybe in addition to that a first-round pick. It'll be fine. I think he's got to go. I love Kevin. I'll be wearing my Kevin Love shirt for years to come, but I think he does have to go. Uh, Tristan, I expect to stay. I do expect both Love and Clarkson to be gone. I also expect Brandon Knight to be traded. I'm not sure if he's going to be traded anywhere to start or even be in the rotation per se, but a rotational piece and a salary dump move for both sides. He does expire after the season. The Cavs can find a guy that a team doesn't like the contract of that has two, three years on it and move the expiring deal of Brandon Knight for it. That would be great. Next question. What is more likely the Cavs end up in the top five of the lottery or in the playoffs? And part two. Which or Part two, which do you prefer? And part three, which moves are needed to make them a playoff team? Well, everyone wants the lottery these days. But you know what? The Pelicans didn't play for the lottery last year. They AD went AWOL, barely played second half of the year. He wore that shirt. I don't remember what it said, but it said that his, he doesn't pick out his own outfits when he had it on. Yikes. Anyway, that's not the point here. Uh, I'd rather see a playoff trip. And... It's funny because a week ago, I was saying the same thing. I was actually, no, I was saying the reverse thing, that I would rather miss the playoffs 
then get in as the eight seed and get destroyed. The Bucks are the likely team the Cavs would play, and watching that pistons Bucks series last year was brutal. Milwaukee just took it to them. There have been eight seeds that have gotten it done. The Grizzlies in 2011, the Warriors, we believe, in 2007 against the Mavericks, the Philadelphia 76ers getting it done against the Chicago Bulls after D. Rose went down. The Cavs wouldn't do that. It would be a first-round exit for them. Not fantastic. And, you know, they end up in the lottery. That would all. That would also be nice. I mean, you got the James Wiseman on the board. You got some of these Duke guys running carry available. There's some Cavs will likely need a big man or a small forward. They're set at guard. And, with, and that's really it. We'll, we'll see what they do in the draft. Way too soon to say. I don't think there's anything that could be done to make the Cavs a playoff team unless you trade Kevin Love for LeBron James. And I think the Lakers are content uh, with Point Braun right now. Um, going back to it, uh, I, I prefer the playoffs, honestly. I think the Cavs are going to get a top 10 pick no matter where they finish in the regular season. They're not going to be in the top five of the lottery. Although they might get a top five pick. So, again, I prefer a playoff trip because you get the even if you're going to get blown out, you get the guys' experience. In the case of the Pistons, maybe that wasn't the best thing last year. They didn't, really didn't seem like they learned too much from that playoff experience. They did when they played the Cavs last game, but outside of that, no way. Favorite Cavs memory. Oh, boy. This is a good one. My favorite Cavs memory. I've had many through the years. I watched the Alec Burks dunk in person last year. Seen several games in person. I saw Cavs Celtics November 2014. LeBron's first game at TD Guard since his return. The Boo Birds were flying. Cavs are down 20. They came back and won. They were down 20 late in the third, by the way. And they came back to win the game. That was awesome. I had the Deion Waiters game winner over the Pistons in that 20-point fourth quarter comeback. Larry Nance tipping last season. Collins had some clutch moments. I recall all the game winners, all the LeBron winners when he was last here a couple years ago. The game winner against the Pacers. Against Chicago, the shot from Kyrie. But my favorite Cavs memory takes you back to the Eastern Conference Finals 2009 against the Orlando Magic, who would go on to win the series 4-2. But in Game 2, Cavs trailing after giving up a basket with one second left to Hito Turkoglu. Mo Williams triggers the inbounds pass. The Cavs are down by two. LeBron comes off, pops off the screen, puts it up. Bang. Marv Albert with a great call. LeBron for the win. Yes! Marv Albert. Let him know exactly how it should sound on the game winner. It was an unbelievable shot from LeBron first off. I remember I was watching with my brother and my dad. I was in my den. And it was unbelievable. That shot was crazy. And it went in. It was as clutch as it gets. It was in the playoffs, Eastern Conference Finals at that. And it was a game to remember. That shot from LeBron. Getting ready. We're going to pull up the call from Marv Albert. Just wait a moment as it was Hito Turklu making the shot late with just a second on the clock when that happened. So here it is. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! LeBron James at the buzzer! Takes you back, huh? 
Always takes me back. I remember when I saw the flip phone, the only video I ever paid to download to have on my phone was that LeBron James 3. Wanted to watch it all the time. And also funny, on the same note, my brother, older brother, years ago, there was a Cavs fan who looked so distraught, a little kid, so distraught in 2009 when they fell behind. He changed my wallpaper to that on my desktop before... The shot would eventually go in. I just, oh, man. What a shot. What a memory, man. I, that shot will live with me forever. LeBron had many great moments with the Cavs. First tenure, second tenure. But that, to me, is the play. Con- they lost the series. He ended up leaving. Conference finals at the buzzer. Home crowd. Marv Albert. Yes. So oh, it was It was perfect. Sasha Pavlovich going to hug him. How can you, how can you not love that? Final question of the mailbag segment today. Who would win in a two-on-two game? Daniel Gibson and Anderson Varejao or Mo Williams and Jujunas Ogowskis? That is a great question. You got two good bigs out there against two scoring guards. As far as shooters go, I'd rather have Daniel Gibson over Mo Williams, so that's that. I'd rather have Bigsy over Varejao, which I see how you did it with the pairing. You got one's the better shooter, one's the better big. But I don't think this game is going to be as close as you think. Big Z has a lot of sides on Varejao, who lacked a jump shot for most of his career, so he's going to have to be getting it inside. Olgalskis just has to put his hands up like Boban Marjanovic, and he won't be able to score on his basket. And they're going to have to go to Daniel Gibson on threes because they are still calling goaltending. Uh, Daniel Gibson will go out and knock down a lot of threes. On the other hand, Mo Williams had a 50-point game. He was more clutch in the NBA. So when the game gets down to the wire and you need a late hoop, pressure gets added and say it's like 1917 and you need a two. Mo Williams says, I got it, I got it. Because you're not playing those pickup street ball rules where you can't win on a two. I think it's the most foolish thing. The way that basketball has gone, it's all about the three. A lot of times I'm playing at the park, they'll say you can't win on a two. I totally disagree. If you could make a shot from out from behind the line the whole game and count it as two, why can't you win like that? Just defend the three-point line. Plain and simple. We're not in 1978 where the NBA didn't have it. We have it now. Boom. But you need a guy like Mo to make the big shot. Love Booby Gibson. Have his jersey. Have a Verajao autograph. I have the signed Big Z jersey. Never had Mo Williams merchandise, unfortunately. I have seen one Mo Williams jersey in my life. Shout out to my friend Varajan Jusurian. VJ. Guy I used to hoop with. He had a Mo Williams Cavs jersey. Didn't see many of them. Now, then it became a Kyrie jersey. Then it became a Colin Sexton jersey. The number two in Cleveland. Just the point guard gift that keeps on giving. But at the end, I'm going to take Elgowskis for his rim protection and mid-range shot. And Mo Williams for his clutch shooting. 21-16 over Vera Zhao and Booby Gibson. And an exciting two-on-two showdown. That'll do it for this edition of Across the Cavs. I'm your host, Zach Weiss. Catch me on Twitter. And Instagram, we will see you next time. Have a great weekend. Let's go Cleveland.